This is Germ Warfare, the battle of ideas. My name is Germ, this is Germ Warfare, the battle of ideas. Jack Donovan, thank you for joining me in the trenches. Thanks for having me. How is the information war treating you? Well, it's a good, uh, good uh, way to describe it. Uh, certainly, uh, you know, there are certain people who control our information all the time. And, uh, you know, who gets seen first, who gets presented first, uh, you know, how they get to be described. And, uh, you know, I have, I definitely have a lot of things online that are, uh, come up higher because they're the things that they want you to see, you know, that kind of thing. So it's, it's, it's definitely a struggle, but, uh, you know, keep doing what I want to do. As you know, I have your book. Yeah. Yeah. The way of men came out, uh, 10 years ago. So mm. I just put out the, I think you have the 10th anniversary hardcover and, uh, which I did a new introduction and everything for, but yeah, it's been around for 10 years and, uh, been translated into a bunch of languages. It's been all around the world. Uh, so that's, it's a really, uh, it's an accomplishment I'm really proud of. James Bond drinks. What does he drink? I was going to say scotch, but I actually think he drinks something else. A martini, doesn't he? Well, there's a, I, I, I happen to know this. Uh, <laughs> there's a cocktail in the movie called the Vesper, uh, yes. which is what he, you know, they, he does shake and not stir it a lot, but uh, the Vesper is the cocktail that he makes up in Casino Royale. Mm. And uh, I believe it is uh, maybe one measure of gin, one measure of vodka, and some quinoa with a lemon twist. I'd have to check, but <laughs> I believe that that's the recipe. I was I was bringing that up because I was creating a segue to James Bond being the sort of poster boy of manliness or masculinity. Is that a is that a fair assumption? I wish it was, uh, you know, in, uh, Europe, that's a little different in Europe. And I guess, uh, the, you know, the entire West aside from America, I think that that's very true. I miss that as a summation of masculinity in America, because obviously that's a British thing. And, uh, in America, you know, that high cultured thug, because that's how he's described always as cultured thug, you know, who, who knows what Kina Lele is, but also knows, you know, how to kill a person. And, uh, you know, who can be both all the time. I really think that that's the ideal, uh, that you can be dangerous, but also very cultured and you can go to the opera and the museum and also, um, you know, do martial arts. I think that that is, that is the ideal. So uh, in America, a lot of times uh, men who are associated with, you know, high culture are looked down on as not masculine. Mm. But that, that combination of both things uh, really is, you know, where we got used to get kings and officers and so forth uh, all throughout the European nobility. But Bond also wears a suit just to add to that appeal. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the culture that he comes from. So <laughs> conversely, you have the camel man. Yeah. Like it, what do you mean? Like the, the Marlboro man? Is that what, uh, uh, yes. A, yes. I suppose. Camel man? I suppose it's the yeah. same thing. I sort of unshaven, uh, sitting up by the fire next to his four by four, wearing a t-shirt. That sounds about right. Yeah, I don't think we have a. I don't think we've had a camel man for a long time. But uh, yes, that's. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a much more rugged, you know, persona for sure. Well, you, actually, we haven't had a man for a long time. I mean, society no longer knows what what these things are. That's a problem. 
or it pretends not to know what they are. I think it does mm-hmm. know what they are, but uh, the the game is to pretend that we know we don't see with our eyes and we don't mm-hmm. uh, recognize the things that are in front of us and uh, that we can't see you know obvious you know characteristics of groups and obvious characteristics of you know men and women. Uh, we're not allowed to talk about those things because it doesn't serve the agenda of the people who would like to us to really all be interchangeable. Mm. You know, and that's the goal is like, you know, you're all the same social class. You're all interchangeable. All the world is one. We're citizens of the world. Uh, we are all the same thing. And really, if you're all the same thing and no one is more important than anybody else, who's to say, why would it matter if a million of you died? You know, like, I mean, that's kind of, I think, the, the route that they're going. It's almost a, a prelude to genocide because, you know, as we become all, you know, exchangeable, uh, then, uh, you know, who's who, who would miss us? What, Jack, is the way of men? Uh, the way of men uh, was my attempt to define what uh, masculinity actually is. And not uh, when you read men define masculinity, a lot of times they are, you know, pounding their own chests and saying masculinity is exactly what I am. And you should follow me for 1995. I can tell you how to become more alpha. And, uh, you know, it's that kind of guy or there's, you know, priests and like uh, pastors and so forth that uh, will tell you, you know, to be a man is to do exactly what my religion believes or, you know, to buy this product is what to be a man. And I wanted to see what masculinity was without all that you know that it's not about me what are we really looking at when we see another man and say you know that man is more masculine than that man and we can feel that you know and i think that that hasn't gone away and no matter how much we try to say we don't know what a man and a woman is you know but the way of men i took from the common situations that all human beings have been in since uh, the beginning of time through all of our evolution you know, the way of men is what men have had to do. It's our job. And for most of human history, we've you know had to create a space, control that space and make it safe for the people inside of it and protect it and sometimes go out and get things like go out and hunt or go out and make war with another tribe. Uh, but the, that gang of men, that fighting gang of men is what our role has been for most of human history. So... We really judge each other, I think, as men, and our, we judge our masculinity by the same characteristics that we would use to evaluate other men in that gang. You know, is he, you know, could I push that man around? You know, like, is he, is he soft? You know, is he, is he strong? I mean, I, I call it the tactical virtues, mm. um, strength, courage, mastery, and honor. And uh, strength, you know, strength has always been associated with masculinity. Uh, you know, it's part of our biology. We are naturally stronger than women uh, on a big curve. And, you know, so it, it's right there. And, you know, you always need no one in no culture anywhere around the world. Have you ever said that man who is really weak? He is the most masculine man in the room. You know, like that, you know, that has never happened. Uh, so it's, it's, it's a constant. It's a universal. And the same thing is true for, you know, courage, you know, in no culture anywhere has they said that man who's always afraid and who always hides and uh, will never take risks. He is the most masculine man in the room. That has never, ever happened. Mm. Uh, so that's always been a part of what masculinity is. And it's because, you know, we needed men who were strong and men who, uh, you know, were agile and athletic and men who could take risks and would go and hunt that beast that's bigger than they are or go and make war when we needed them to. And so we still judge men according to those, uh, you know, 
these these basic uh, you know primal instincts that in the same way that we judge who is attractive and you know what what is beautiful it all comes from our primal mind and uh you know strength courage mastery we need men to be good at things you know we need them to be competent we need to be able to depend on the fact that they're competent uh mm -hmm. because you know our lives may depend on it and you know finally you have uh you know honor which means our that we care about our reputation within a group of men you know we live in a whatever global society so men today can't actually care about everybody you know what everybody thinks of them because they go insane yeah. uh, because all people want all different things but uh to honor is caring about what a, a defined group of men think about your masculinity and uh you know that you care about what they think and that they care about what you think because that creates a system of trust uh, you know, you can trust men who care about what you think, you know, they, they, they will do something that they don't want to do because yeah. they believe it's the right thing for the group. And uh, those are those are the qualities that I think we've always looked for in men. I, I never thought of it like that. I never thought yeah. of men being defined by other men. We, we aren't defined no. by women. No, we, and we can't be. And when you would let yourself be defined by women, then you are whatever women want you to be. You're actually controlled by women. Uh, if your masculinity is whatever women like the best, you know, uh, women want from you, then the, you, you know, you're controlled by women and men have not been controlled by women in that way for most of human history. We've been controlled by other men. We've cared, you know, men fought duels because they were worried what other men thought about them, not because they cared about what women thought about them. You know, they, men picked each other for, you know, these hunting and fighting teams. It doesn't mean that they don't care about women and they don't care about what women think. But in many cases, the guys who get picked for the team and who are, who are esteemed by and men have higher status among men, those men are the ones that women want to be with. You know, when men yes. give each other status, women want them more. There's a response that we have, I think, when we deal with other men. Uh, weakness kind of disgusts us. You know, like it, it becomes a little bit disgusting, like uh, it's repulsive. Um, you know, overt. And I, in the book, I call this flamboyant dishonor meaning that you don't care at all what the other men in your group think about you and you just do whatever and you can see why tactically that would be a problem in like you know primal environment mm. you know it's like oh well that guy is you know acting goofy he doesn't look scary he doesn't make other men look afraid he makes us all look weak by being associated with him so yeah we're going to shame him until he gets his shit together <laughs> you know that that's what that's what men have always done what do you mean by the gang well, the gang, obviously, I was being a little, uh, I guess, cheeky uh, with that, uh, you know, it's, uh, because, you know, that has a very negative connotation. But uh, you, know, you think of street gangs and whatever, but street gangs are gangs. And really, you know, that's a value judgment. But what I mean by the gang is just a, this group of men, this primal group of men that is they care more about each other and their, you know, the opinions of their group, which includes women, but they they care more about their group than they care about, um, you know, outsiders. And so, you know, everything is about that, that gang of men, uh, you know, whether, whether, you know, when you get into big things like armies and countries and whatever, that becomes a lot bigger. But I think that when you look at uh, smaller groups of men, like, you know, you know, strike, uh, I mean, fire teams and platoons and so forth in the military, uh, those are the guys who really get each other's backs and fight for each other. So if we're talking about, masculinity we're essentially talking about those four virtues aren't we yeah i think so i think that's part, a really good way to define like very quickly how we judge 
other men. So let's go through those four quickly. Uh, strength, mm-hmm. that's quite obvious um, size. We're talking about size. Um, so in other words, we judge a man by him being small and frail, and we have respect for our fellow men who are much bigger and, and, and have more muscle. Well, to a certain extent, I mean, you can evaluate strength in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, a mm-hmm. lot of people will look at strength and think of it as powerlifting strength, like, oh, well, he can lift X amount of weight, therefore he's the strongest. And that is technically true within that small category. But, uh, you know, athleticism is probably as, you know, a better word even, uh, you know, like, because there's a lot of things that make us different from women, not just raw strength, but also, you know, like, you know, fast twitch muscle fibers and all kinds of things that we, uh, are better at athletically. And uh, so, you know, men, you know, like a fast runner, you know, could also be very masculine or, you know, a sprinter or like someone who's really powerlifting strength is not even comparable to something like, you know, for like hunting, uh, you know, it's more of a martial arts kind of, you know, like that, that kind of body. Uh, So I think, you know, physically we, you know, we can demonstrate strength in a variety of ways. And men really appreciate that. You look at like who they elevate as their idols and they, they want to see men who are like, you know, fit. I think, you know, if, you know, when they talk about evolution, they always talk about survival of the fittest and fittest doesn't necessarily mean like the biggest. It, it sometimes just means the best, you know, like yes. what is the best man for that job? So, you know, it's not always just who's the biggest, although that obviously if you walk into a room of men who are like six foot five and you're like, you know, five foot five, uh, that's that's a big difference, and obviously people do make judgments based on that. Uh, but um, you know, generally speaking, it's not just about size or like raw strength, but I think overall might and athleticism. Uh, in a gang, though, does mental strength also have a role? Oh, absolutely. Uh, in any, when any, in everything, it matters, right? Uh, but. It, it's, uh, I would put that as part of mastery, you know, and having competence. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, because there are some guys who are going to be better at different things. You know, like not everyone is going to be the top warrior guy, but the other guy might be better at strategy or making bows or like, you know, whatever. So we've always had this situation where like, you know, there's the one guy who does, you know, an important part of the job that isn't necessarily the actual hunting and fighting, but he's a very important part of the gang. So that's, you know, you didn't want to like push that out. Like, oh, it doesn't matter. It's only athleticism because that's not really true. Mm. Uh, so men men respect that kind of mastery of skills uh, very much. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to yeah. be He-Man and be a complete blockhead and just run into a death trap. Yeah. I mean, those guys don't actually win wars. <laughs> they, don't, they, don't last, they don't last very long. You know, they, they those guys are the... Uh, you throw them at something, but there's usually someone smaller behind them telling them what to do, <laughs> you know, because they, there's someone who's thought about strategy and is smart back behind them telling them what to do. So there's a, there's a balance there. And I think that, you know, we were talking about James Bond earlier and there's that yeah. uh, sense that you can either be one or the other, like you have to be the brute or you have to be really smart. And but he's really everything. the coolest guys at the mm-hmm. top of the, Pyramid. I mean, I've met all these guys who are in special forces and so forth, and they are also very smart. And, it, they, you know, they are warriors who have killed people, and they are also very smart. Yeah. And interested in arts and politics and, and uh, ideas and philosophy. And that is really, I think, what you want. And, uh, you know, all of our leaders used to be more like that. Uh, but now that is not so much the case. 
how big is a gang? We spoke about gangs for a moment there, but we didn't talk about the size of a gang. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that, you know, you know, obviously I'm talking about a primal gang and usually that mm. was a smaller group of men. Uh, once you get into a bigger situation, then you have like generations and tribes and so forth. And then it becomes a much bigger situation. So I think when we're talking about a gang, we're talking about, uh, you know, a, a fairly small group of men, like, you know, between uh, five and 20, I think that is a pretty fair because uh, you know, mm. much beyond that, then there's, there's a lot of politics and then they don't know each other very well. And, you know, I, I think I always like to quote Dunbar's number, uh, the idea that we can't really have meaningful relationships with more than like 120 people or something like that. And then that's when you need like politics and bigger systems and so forth. Yeah. How would we gauge courage um, with, in terms of other men? Well, I think you can kind of read it in body language. I think mm. you can read courage in body language a little bit. Uh, you know, there's, there's, a, there's kind of an openness. I, in, many of the reasons why I wrote about a lot of the stuff, I'm like, well, how do you judge masculinity? Like, how can you say this is more masculine or that is not? And mm. it's, you can use these criteria to really break it down. Like, you know, if, if a man is just simple gestures, like if you're standing in a way that looks unafraid, you know, like they're open and, and, you know, they always say like, this is the, this is a the defensive gesture. You know, to sit there and fold your arms or whatever. Uh, you know, if you look like come at me, if you have that thing about you that seems unafraid, there's a posture that seems unafraid. Uh, you know, if you walk you know, by people and they're always like, you know, putting their head down and like do, making submissive gestures that that communicates, you know, fear. And uh, you know, there are a lot of things that you do when you speak and so forth that, uh, you know, can you know, make you seem more or less courageous. Uh, but obviously, then, you know, that's just how we read each other whether or not that's true or not, because you can fake a lot of those things. Right. Mm. And then the bigger thing is whether you're actually courageous when, you know, something happens, you know, like, are are you the least willing to take a risk or the most or somewhere in between? Um, Because the guys who will just do any damn thing, uh, sometimes they don't live very long and you know, they, uh, jackass, you know, or sometimes they'll get away with it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. They'll do crazy stuff, but you know, it's not really bright. Uh, But uh, you know, you, the guy who is afraid to do anything. I mean, you know, we saw this in the past couple of years, like the people who like would believe everything that they heard on the news and just hide in their yes. house. Yes. You know, and then I mean, that talk about a demonstration of courage versus the other people like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do what I want. Mm. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's a, a big difference there. Uh, people who want to believe that they should be afraid, you know, and hide because it's part of their nature to, to, to hide. And, uh, you know, people who, men who are naturally courageous that makes them really angry if they feel like they have to hide all the time uh so i think that's you know these are all little gauges that we can use to, to gauge courage and courage i suppose would also be quite an obvious thing in terms of war it's the it's the man who's willing to uh stand up and take the bomb for his for his fellow men Oh, absolutely. Which is, you know, probably I would say one of the most beautiful things in the world. Uh, And the idea that we like are in a society that kind of downplays heroic masculinity. To me, uh, I feel like we lose a lot when that because Mm -hmm. historically that has been something that we've lifted up is that you have to acknowledge that guy who did that thing. Um, That that's that's something. (laughs) You know, that's something beyond what we even expected most of the time. 
Uh, so, you know, I think that that's a really important piece of masculinity and really one of the reasons why I started writing about it, because I saw this idea that, you know, heroic masculinity was like outdated and outmoded and we could, shouldn't care about that anymore. But that guy who's willing to risk his life for the people around him, uh, that's that's powerful stuff. I mean, and that's mm. that's really man at his absolute highest and best uh, in the best version of these qualities. So then, Jack, at what point do women come into the equation? Well, I mean, the same point that they've always come in. <laughs> like men historically have treated women basically like resources. Uh, you know, like the women are resources because they have something and men want to have sex. And more importantly than just sex, because I think that gets focused on too much, is that men want sons. <laughs> a lot of times mm. like men want children. Uh, you know, before we get into a bigger construct of, you know, families and so forth, and that's the way like our, our systems are organized. And that's not always the way that people have organized themselves, but most of the time that's the best way is to have families and so forth. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's women and come in the picture because men want women. They will, they want to have sex with women and they want to have, you know, children with women. And uh, so, you know, and obviously they have to deal with them as people because they are, you know, they are, they're mothers and daughters as well, you know, so they have to consider, you know, they, they don't want to see them suffer. Uh, they don't want to see them, you know, upset or crying or suffering, or they don't, they want to see them abused. They don't want to see them get hurt or get attacked by the other tribes of men. Uh, you know, and that's, that hasn't changed. You know, most men would prefer to be protecting women than abusing them. You know, that's most men want to be the protectors of women. I think the irony is that throughout history, men have been expendable. Absolutely. Uh, nature makes us expendable. Uh, like one woman can only make so many children. Uh, one man can repopulate like a country if he really wanted to, you know, like, uh, <laughs> I mean, they say like half of Asia or something has Genghis Khan's like DNA, uh, like because he had so many, he had sex with so many, uh, you know, women and, uh, yeah, I mean, but men are, you know, biologically expendable in that way. And nature takes risks with us, I think, a little bit more. You'll see that uh, men tend to be either smart, really smart, or really dumb. There's more like, there's more morons and, and brainiacs in men. You know, whereas yeah. women tend to be a little bit more in the middle. And there are a lot of things Correct. like that. Like nature makes big gambles on men because they're like, yeah, let's see what, see what works. <laughs> you know, and uh, whereas women, they need them to be kind of constantly similar. And uh, so I think that, uh, you know, Yeah, we're, we're definitely expendable, but uh, in that way. Uh, but uh, also we've created most of human society and culture and all the people always forget that when they, when they think of men as just being brutes, that we've all the beautiful buildings and all the beautiful paintings and all the yeah. you know, monuments all going back to like the pyramids and, and, and so forth. Men made all those things too, <laughs> you know? So we've been busy. I might have this wrong, but I think it was Malcolm Gladwell who who wrote um, about the bell curve regarding the differences between men and women. And on average, women are smarter than men. But on the fringes of the bell curve, men are both more stupid and smarter, which is why yeah. more men, which is why more men end up in jail, but which is also why more men are the best at everything. Right. Exactly. Yeah. They're, they're more, more extremes. Which adds to the fuel of us being expendable. 
Absolutely. I mean, uh, but then, I mean, that's, like I said, it's just, that's just how nature works. <laughs> you know, like uh, women has like a finite number of eggs, can only give birth so many times. Women die in childbirth a lot, you mm. know, or they used to for most of human history. And and so, you know, you know, you can throw 20 men at a problem, <laughs> you know, and still have two, you know, like uh, we, we mm. are the ones who have had to take risks to protect the women. Why are we talking about this though in the year 2022? Is it is it under threat? Masculinity. Yes. Yes. I mean, absolutely. Uh, I mean, masculinity. I mean, as we said at the beginning of the podcast, uh, people were pretending that they don't even know what men are anymore. Uh, masculinity in any way they call it traditional masculinity, but I, I I don't accept that because it's just masculinity. There isn't traditional mask because that assumes that there's a new masculinity or a different masculinity, but masculinity is still the same. Uh, it's part of our species. And uh, so it, it is under threat because I think that people want us to be more like women because they want us to be more um, easy to manage. Uh, you know, men tend to be a little bit more independent uh, and, and they tend to be, you know, you can get them riled up. They can be a little more violent. Uh, you know, obviously, um, and they want to feel like they can be the protectors and they, they don't always want to be protected. Whereas women's evolutionary role for all of human history has been really to trade, you know, sex for, you know, resources and safety. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what women have done. That's because that's how we're organized biologically. Mm. But, um, you know, I think states and corporations and so forth are taking advantage of that at this point and saying like, well, well, women are actually better citizens because they will let us handle their security for them. And hmm. they will, they will let us give our, the resources to them because that's the, what women have always done throughout human history. And uh, so I think that it's very smart that they're stigmatizing masculinity because they don't, they don't want men who want to be like, no, I'll take care of myself. <laughs> you know, that, that, cause that tends to be what men want to do. Like, no, I'll do it because historically that we've always had to prove our worth to the group by being independent. Be like, no, I can take care of that problem. We want to show other men that we can take care of a problem, that we can handle something, that we can do it, that we can like, oh no, there's a problem, you know, there's, there's a risk that needs to be taken. I got that. You know, like we, that's how we should demonstrate our value to other men in the tribe and so forth. But uh, that is problematic uh, when you're yeah. trying to manage millions of people and uh, tell them what to do uh, because Men just want to be left alone. Like, no, I'll do it. <laughs> you know? mm. And uh, women will be like, okay, well, you send me a check and that's fine. And uh, that, you know, I'll just, you know, do what you say. And as long as I'm comfortable and, and happy and have, have a certain amount of things, uh, you take care of the protection thing. You take care of the, yeah. you know, managing resources. And, and, you know, it's, it's unfortunate because I'm not being negative about women. I don't mean to be negative about women or, uh, uh, you know, I don't hate women. Or anything like that but i just think that they in the way that we leverage psychology for advertising uh, yeah. or anything else i think that people have recognized that you can exploit female psychology in a certain way and uh, that that male psychology is is a little bit more difficult to manage in certain ways now it's easy to make men go to war you can totally lie to them and make them go to war in a minute you know like you get them mad enough and it's you know called thumos yeah. You get them mad enough, and that's how you can manipulate men. You can manipulate, manipulate them toward violence. But uh, with women, you can manipulate them like, oh, no, stay home. We got mm. this. We'll take care of you. <laughs> you know, and uh, that's what they want from us. You know, so uh, 
I think that that's one of the reasons, uh, the main reason really why masculinity is under attack and that people are accepting it. And another interesting uh, aspect is that, and yes, uh, this is one that people struggle with, but women reduce morale amongst men. Um, I go hunting. And for me, it's a great escape. It's it's a different environment. I mean, that is hunting is you know our primal activity. That's mm. what the gang does, and uh, that's supposed to be a group of men. And women short circuit that entire social environment. Uh, and it's not because they're bad or mean or whatever. Uh, it's just their presence changes the whole social dynamic of men. And it's like if a woman is present, then you know men change the way they talk. And it's not like they you know, go out there to talk bad about women and then they have to like hide it. That's not the whole, that has nothing to do with it. But, uh, you know, they change the, the manner of their speech, the different language that they'll use, uh, the way they mess with each other. Cause you know, you don't want to mess with, uh, you know, a guy in front of his girl, you know, you're not going to like talk to him the same mm. way if she's president or if he is. And, and it just changes the entire social environment and, uh, it, it destroys it. And then what exactly. I find generally is that when a woman enters a space like that is that has been entirely male and is meant to be entirely male, uh, then men don't want to do that thing anymore. Like if they have to do it with women, that ruins that experience for them. So they stop doing it. And that's a real problem that we've seen in modern society is that as women go into every space, a lot of men just retreat from that space. You know, and you see it, you see it everywhere and, you know, whether it's, uh, athletic pursuits, you see it in, in, uh, you know, just all areas of life. Like men are just become less interested in whole fields of study and whole fields of, uh, um, you know, uh, work, uh, they're just checking you know, out women there. Yeah. It's just, it's like, oh, it's not okay. This is a chick thing. Now I'm leaving. Mm. Like, I mean, like the publishing industry in America, at least I don't know how it is around the world, but the publishing industry is mostly for women now. You know, and obviously that was something that men did for most of human history. But once it reach a, reaches a threshold of female involvement, then um, men will just kind of, okay, well, that's a chick thing. And I don't want to be doing that anymore. And they'll go do something else. And, uh, you know, most of the arts, you know, like I said, we made most of the paintings and yeah. sculptures for all of human history. But now it's kind of seen as effeminate to go into the arts uh, because women have kind of taken over that space. And uh, so... Uh, you know, men don't want to be there anymore. And so that, that happens with a lot of things. And I think that by kind of artificially forcing everyone together into groups that they didn't ask to be in, because a lot of women, they don't want to go to an all male space, you know, no. uh, and men definitely don't want to go into an all female space that, no. you know, if, if like no band wants to be like, Hey, can I come out with to you guys with girls night? You know, like, can I, can, I'll can bring, I come out I'll, with you. I'll bring, I'll bring yeah. my handbag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Men don't want to be. Like, they're like, go do your thing. I don't want to be part of that, you know. But uh, women, for are a little bit more likely to be like, hey, I want to do what men, you know, do. Uh, and uh, you know, but most women, I think, would rather do the things that you know they're doing with other women. You outdated. What you're talking about is no longer relevant. Um, you know, uh, the great example right now in the world of how that is a lie is that. Uh, you know, look at Ukraine, uh, whatever you think of that conflict and, and whatever the reasons for it are, which, you know, who, I don't even know really. Uh, but if you would have told Ukrainians six months ago, like, oh, you don't have to be strong. Men don't have to fight anymore. That's all handled. 
well, that was a lie and that's wrong. <laughs> you know, like, uh, because now those people are walking through the streets with guns. And, you know, that happens all around the world all the time. The idea that we are always going to have safety and security is not true. Uh, you look at natural disasters and the things that happen during those and whatever, like, and the state never comes in fast enough. And you know, like, or when crimes happen, like the police get there after all the damage has already been done. Uh, you know, so men do still need to be strong. And I think, again, that's just the idea that it's outdated. A, a, a it being outdated, like, what is this fashion? Like, we're we talking about fashion. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like oh, oh, the masculinity is so last year. Like, no. That, 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 no, it's part of uh, who we are. It's constant. And have it's constant. Been. Yeah, yeah. It's it's part of our species, and and yeah, they always say we'll evolve past that. But you know, that means that means when you say that, you don't actually understand how how evolution works. Uh, you know, we don't spot. You know, we don't will ourselves to evolve. That's not how it works. So what you're saying is that masculinity is a constant, and it is different to saying alpha male. Yeah, yeah. I, I think alpha male is a slang that people use. I'm going to actually speak about this, I think, next in a couple of weeks. Uh, but uh, alpha male is kind of a marketing slang. Because uh, if you really think about what that means, because it's taken from zoology, like, you know, there's an alpha in a pack of wolves or whatever. And the alpha male really would be the person who's in political charge of that whole group. And so men have a humans have much more complex hierarchies than that and uh, than alpha and beta you know like uh, mm. which really would be the first and the second so it'd be president and vice president not you know beta wouldn't be like the last person you know like the worst guy uh, but that's how it's used so it's marketed in a really i think deceiving way um and you know i think that we need to move beyond the whole alpha thing but it's it's so popular in culture that it's uh um you know, used that way. I think that most people who, even these guys who are like, you know, you know, special operations guys or men who are really successful in business or, you know, like UFC fighters or whatever, they're not the alpha in every room. (laughs) They aren't the most, you know, okay, well, they walked in with the president of a country. Well, guess what? You're not in charge. (laughs) You know, like uh, someone else is in charge. Uh, So, you know, you know, alpha is a position in a hierarchy and it changes from, you know, situation to situation. Uh, it's not what when they say alpha, what they really mean is more masculine. Like we're gonna, you're make you alpha, which just means more masculine, and it means more of all the four things that I talked about: strength, courage, mastery, and honor. The goal of civilization seems to be to eliminate work and risk, which is a direct attack on masculinity. Absolutely, and there's a big you know like I, I have a chapter in the Way of Men that talks about masculinity and a check to civilization. I think is what it's called. And it's the idea that we've always had that push and pull between too much civilization and not enough because, you know, we don't actually, I don't want to have to worry about defending myself 24 hours a day, seven days a week, uh, you know, worry about someone's going to stab me at any moment. Uh, You know, I don't want to have to worry where my next meal is coming from. Uh, I don't want to be naked and wandering through the wilderness for the rest of my life. Like, you know, naked and afraid or whatever, like the shows, uh, that, that's not really my optimal, you know, life. Um, and I don't think it is for most of us. So we don't really want to be there, but we also don't want to be in a point where we never can take a risk where, you know, all decisions are made for us. So we really have no free will. 
you know, we don't want to be a situation where, you know, we, there's no reason to be strong and we can't exert our natural strength because it feels good to be strong. Like, you know, uh, and it changes you and it makes you happy uh, as a man to, to do that role, that thing that you've always been designed to do. Uh, you know, like I did, mar- uh, went to uh, MMA training last night. And, uh, you know, it's mostly jujitsu, but we do like on Thursday nights, we do uh, a little bit of striking mixed in with it to keep you on your toes. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's something about that, that that we were meant to do that. And all those guys in that room, at the end, we go around and say something that we're grateful for. And all those guys in that room, whether they lost, you know, like or won, you know, like because it doesn't matter. We're just sparring and, and goofing around, you know. Uh, so all the men in that room are happy, <laughs> you know, all those men are really happy. They're all really grateful to be there. They get something there that they're not getting anywhere else in the world. And for someone who obviously doesn't know anything about men to say that that's outdated, uh, is ridiculous. How women judge us is a, is a, is merely secondary. Yes. Yeah, and I think that that's like I think we talked about that a little bit earlier. I mean, that's uh, that is obvious to a certain extent. I think men judge each other first because they have to pick themselves. They men judge each other because they want to pick each other for the team, mm, uh, the gang. What kind of men can I depend on, and so forth? Uh, you know, what can I? What kind of man? You know, has the tactical virtues that I'm looking for. And then you know, when men become higher status, then women women are more interested in the men because they're higher status within a group of men. They're higher esteem in their community or whatever. We look to women for approval, but it's a different kind of approval. Absolutely. Well, what a woman wants from us is not necessarily always what men want from us. Uh, It's what she needs. And, Mm. uh, you know, that is a different thing. And it's not invalid because it's what she needs, you know, her part of the equation in the relationship or whatever. Um, you know, but that is not necessarily what defines masculinity that defines what women want from men. And so it's, it's a different thing that they're asking for. And sometimes it's the same because when women say that they don't want you to be strong or whatever, it usually means it's because they want to be able to manipulate you. Uh, but when, you know, most women actually want men to be strong and courageous and and they want, they want them to be high, high status men. Men don't care if women are strong or not. Yeah. Nobody cares. (laughs) <laughs> no, nobody cares. Uh, you know, like, uh, it's like women can be strong and that's great, but nobody cares. Uh, you know, it's, it, they don't, uh, you know, that's for them. You know, like when women take martial arts or when they, uh, mm. um, you know, wait, when they are athletes or whatever, it's really more for their own enjoyment. Uh, but yes. men don't, you know, men don't really need them to be that strong, uh, for them to be attractive <laughs> you know, for them to be appealing or whatever, they don't have to, you know, and, and for them to really do their roles as, as mothers. Uh, Cause that's really the most important role that women have is to, you know, do that. Cause men aren't good with children usually like com- compared to women, women are amazing with children. Uh, but men, I mean, I walk into a room full of kids screaming and I, I like, it's, that's not something, that's not a sound that's musical to my ears at all. Like, I don't want to be there at all. But women sometimes are like, women will just light up when they see a child in a day that most men will. Men up when they see their child. <laughs> but they won't like be like, oh, a child. You know, like, they, they, they want to be, you know, it's very important that it's their child. Uh, so I think that women have all that off, but, you know. 
But it also in many ways, I think men prefer women who are not strong because there's that damsel in distress uh, desire within men. They want to be the protectors. And I, mm. I think that that's more function. It's not, obviously, I don't think that because of the dynamic, the sexual dynamic and whatever dynamic between uh, uh, men and women, they don't want a woman who's stronger than they are. Uh, because then that throws the whole, because the men are, they envision themselves as protectors. And so if she's, she's the protector, then, you know, he's just, what is he, <laughs> you know, like, uh, he loses his masculine, masculine identity for that. And, uh, you know, women make fun of men that who don't, don't want that, but they, they really shouldn't, a man should want to be the protector in the relationship. And so, you know, of course, you know, a really weak man is going to find a weaker woman just to make sure that balance is right. But, you know, I see a lot of like really athletic men, whatever, they they kind of want a woman who has something to her, <laughs> you know, who mm. actually wants, who, who can do things and, and uh, you know, shares some interests and so forth. So they don't, they don't always want them to be just frail and like, you know, you know, passive. And I think that when you look at uh, the way most men and women have interacted through history, like women had jobs. I mean, it's not like they just got to sit there and be pretty. I mean, that was, that's very like high civilization. Uh, most civilizations, like women did all the hunting and gathering. They did have to do a lot of work. Men were just stronger than they were. Yeah. Uh, but women still had to do things uh, and they still had to be functional. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, when push comes to shove, like men don't really care necessarily that, you know, how strong women are. Toxic masculinity would, would, would simply be being a dickhead. Toxic masculinity is a, a shaming phrase yeah. that feminists came up with it doesn't mean anything it means whatever they want it to mean at the time mm. uh that's why it really doesn't have a definition it's uh, it's just basically like toxic means too mask it's you know hyper masculinity is the same it's a value judgment made by the person making that judgment so it doesn't mean it means, anything no it's like toxic masculinity means you're not doing what i want you to do that's all <laughs> you know because other than that like what they call toxic masculinity is actually just masculinity in many cases. Now, obviously, like there are men who are, you know, out of control. There are men who end up in prison. There are you know, men who do terrible things. And of course, you could call that toxic, but it really is not related. It's related to masculinity, but it's not part of what masculinity is, uh, you know, as, as it functions. So it's just, you know, they're just putting negative attributes on masculinity mm. because they want to control men. I suppose another aspect of that is that masculinity is not the, uh, the the caricature of the caveman dragging the woman by the hair. Right. Yeah. I mean, obviously, like we said, there's a lot more to it. And uh, like, I, I, as you said, uh, the idea of, you know, a James Bond type character is much more appealing, you know, who can do all the things. The irony, though, is that we're talking about all these things and they seem pretty self-evident which is why i said earlier it's weird that we're talking about it in the year 2022 because if i were to horse you back to your conversation about masks my wife said to me at least two years ago it's the most unsexy unappealing thing to see a man with a mask on his face yeah yeah it makes perfect sense because he looks afraid yes <laughs> yeah you know, it, it, it's a social signal saying that i'm afraid if we had to push back, what are some of your tools for pushing back? Well, I think the first thing is, you know, you, can, you can't control the rest of the world. Very mm. few of us have influence that extends to the rest of the world. Uh, but we can control our own environment first, our own bodies. 
uh, the things immediately around us as much as possible. And so, yeah, I mean, it depends where you are and where you're starting at. Cause I, I get readers who start at like level negative three and, mm. you know, special forces guys, you know, I get, I get all the way in between, but for the guy who's just starting out and realizes that, Hey, I need to take masculinity a little bit seriously, uh, a little more seriously. Um, there's all these things that you can do in your own life that you can change. Um, obviously, you know, you should maybe take some martial arts, uh, you know, mm. like exercise that part of yourself, um, get, you know, get that outlet. And, uh, also, you know, it makes you more confident because you feel like you could handle yourself in different situations rather than this weird confidence that men have. I, I was talking to a guy recently and it's like, we know that he wouldn't win this fight that he thinks he would win, but that's because he's never really been in a fight. <laughs> you know, it's like, if you really know what that is, then you have a better judgment of that situation. Mm. And, uh, you know, same thing, uh, you know, obviously you talked about hunting. That's a great outlet for a lot of men. It's very, that's very symbolic act because mm. you don't really need to do it to survive, but we're, it's a very ancient and symbolic act to go out and hunting. Um, you know, you can take control of the security of your space. Uh, you know, whether you have a family or don't have a family, uh, you know, like, do more to make sure your space is secure, that the people around you are protected. Uh, it really, really all aspects, whether it was financially or whether it was, uh, you know, in terms of like, you know, the security of your home. Uh, there are all kinds of things that you can do to address that. And also reclaim your space within relationships, within, you know, like you, men need to be in groups of just men. As you said, when women enter the space, uh, something changes. There's a social dynamic that changes. So we need that for, we need to have that space with just men so that we can have our own separate masculine identity. So you need to actually you know, make sure that you have that in your life. And if you don't, you need to find it or create it. Like where can you go or who can you can hang out with that it's just men? That doesn't have to be your whole life. That doesn't have to be, mean that you shouldn't hang out with your wife. That doesn't mean anything like that. It just means that you need to make sure that you have a separate space that is just for men in your life and, and that part of who you are. And so that that's a big ask for a lot of guys to even find 10 guys mm. that they know that they can just hang out with. Uh, you know, that's really hard for a lot of people to find in the modern world. And so that's, you know, if you start doing those things, then that influences a lot of other things. If there are all kinds of men who are like, yeah, I need time to hang out with just men. And I don't care if you say that it's outmoded or whatever, just shut up. Mm. I don't care. <laughs> you know, yeah. if you just if refuse to accept that and allow them to shame you with these things like toxic masculinity and, and so forth. Uh, I mean, that's, that gives wave to, uh, you know, it creates a wave of broader change. You know, just refuse to accept yeah. those, uh, that things. I'm not, I'm not going to be who you want me to be. And because I want to be who I want to be. Conversely, the same conversation applies to women. In many yeah. ways. Yeah. I mean, it, well, yeah, I mean, and, and I mean, it could mean a lot of things, but, uh, um, a lot of women have been shamed into doing kinds of jobs that they don't want to do. Mm. You know, feminists, feminists told everybody that they had to go to work. And a lot of women who go to work, I mean, work is usually boring. Usually it's usually not fulfilling. Uh, most men throughout history have done unfulfilling work. They just do it because they have to survive and provide for their families. And now women are having to do that. So you have a woman who's spending yeah. a whole day in a store, you know, just checking out people through a grocery store or whatever, you know, and she could be home with her children and she would rather be home with her children. So I think that women have to not be, allow themselves to be shamed 
like, oh, you're not, you're not whatever because you don't have like this big job and you're not an executive or whatever. I mean, but if you want to be a, a mother and that's the most important thing to you, I think that that's a great thing. And I think that the women should be able to uh, be empowered to do that. You need to have these, these testosterone building experiences uh, to enhance your own masculinity. Like I said, the exercise of the body, people like to separate the mind and the body as if they're two different things, but they are related. You know, your, your mind is in your body. Uh, so, you know, that's a huge, the physical part of masculinity, if you're missing that, um, it changes you. You know, when you start to change your, the way your body looks, if you become healthier, uh, the way you present to the world is different. People react to you different. Uh, and that's, that's a real, that's a really important thing because like, you know, it changes your mentality because it changes yeah. the way you see the world now because people interact with you differently. An interesting point that you made in your book also is that strength requires an opposing force. Yes. Yes. I mean like, well, you know, like anything to demonstrate something you, 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 you need to have, you know, yeah, there needs to be some kind of opposing force. Otherwise, you, you just have a, you know, like a car in the garage. It's not driving. I think is an example I probably used in the way of men, actually. Like, what is mm. this car? If it's never actually been on the road, what purpose does it have? You know, like it actually needs to drive fast. If it's a sports car, it needs to drive fast. If it's a truck, it needs to do some off-roading or like it needs to carry things. Otherwise, it's just, you know, a, you know, a symbol thing. Uh, it, it has no like practical use. And so I think that, yeah, we need, you know, like in order for uh, one of my favorite examples from mythology is just that really we don't, we think of heroes in terms of the monsters that they slay. You know, heroes are fun, defined. You know which hero, you know, killed which monster. And that's what, how they're defined. And, and so I think that that's really important to, to think of it that way. Like, you, you know, that's how we get our reputation as men is to, to you know, by what monsters we slay, what, by what challenges we overcome um that's there's also something stoic about that sort of thinking isn't there yeah well yeah i mean that, that's become very popular in the past few years like stoicism and examining that mm. and i'd have to really go back to the actual source documents because there's some guys who've popularized that who've kind of done it in a weird way uh but uh you know whenever somebody takes things from history and repackages them it's better to read the source material usually uh but uh so i have read a good bit of uh, marcus aurelius and, and so forth and yeah i, I think that you know Really, a lot of guys also think that stoicism means, uh, you know, being tough and handling stuff <laughs> and, you know, not being reactive. And I think it's a little bit more like complex than what they actually meant by stoicism. But um, I, it, the idea that we should control our emotions is very important. And I think that that's something that modern society has been uh, convincing us to be more like women and just express our emotions whenever they come out. But I think emotional control is something that you have to do if you're a fighter yeah uh you have to be able to control you can't just like bah! you know you actually have to like control your emotions and it has to be kind of a contained chaos that you're working with and uh you know in any business situation or whatever you don't want to just say what's on your mind right away you want to be careful uh and, mm. and just not speak with your emotions but like well what's logical and what makes sense and I think that's where the real appeal of uh, stoicism is, is where you, you know, this idea of emotional control and controlling, you know, the way you react to things rather than just, you know, just being, a, being, a, you know, manipulated by your environment, like some kind of amoeba, like you just change whenever something hits you, you have to you know, maintain your, your space. I remember when I was growing up, my father used to say, cowboys don't cry. 
uh, and there is there is an there is an element of truth in that. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, emotional control has gotten a bad rap. Uh, mm. The idea that men should never express emotions to anyone, I think, is bad. I mean, that's very uh, counterproductive. But the idea that they should express it to everyone mm. is is also extremely counterproductive. Uh, people like to term it's a big pet peeve of mine. Um, they use the term vulnerability as if it's a positive, and vulnerability is actually supposed to be a negative. It means a place where you can be hurt. Uh, you know, like it, it means you know, like. Uh, a place where you can conquer the other army, you know, and uh, we don't need to change the definition of that. Uh, when people talk about vulnerability, a lot of times they're talking about they, what they really mean is humility. Like you acknowledge that you're not perfect, that you could get better, that, you know, but uh, when it term, in terms of like expressing their emotions and crying and so forth, mm. um, there is a time and a place like that's why you have trusted friends and you know actual brothers and and your family that you can talk to closely but you don't want to do that in public and you know if you think about uh and we were talking about kind of the primal gang and, and flamboyant dishonor earlier uh this idea that you don't want to make the rest of the tribe look weak yeah uh by by saying they're like i'm just i got scared so i'm crying uh as a man you want to control that emotion and manage it uh you can feel it and but you want to manage it and uh, like I said, if you if you even look at the ancient myths and the way they talk about men crying, they they talk about all these heroes crying, you know, like they're they're always you know like, but they're crying for like a good reason, like oh you know I'm you know Gilgamesh and my best friend just died, uh, and I'm weeping and da 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 you know and, and that's you know one of the oldest stories in the world, and that's always been a part of masculinity is to be able to show you know, emotion, but it is at the appropriate time and not just at the drop of a hat. I think what we really don't like to see as men is manipulative crying, which is something that women and children do a lot more is like, I'm going to cry to get what I want because you're going to feel bad for me. And that's a that men hate that. Uh, we, we don't want to see that in other men, especially. No, but men, men see that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. For, absolutely. It's it, it makes them mad. You know, like, uh, don't, don't cry to use, don't make me make, don't pull that uh, button, put, don't push that button that yeah. makes me your protector. Uh, cause that's my job, but you're just using that button because you can not because it's real. You know, if we look at the four virtues, uh, strength, courage, mastery, honor, where does one's faith come in? Does it come in? Um, I don't it, think that's. Yeah, there's so many things that are not necessarily masculine or feminine, but they're just human. Um, and I think that, yeah, there's a lot of that. And there's other add-ons to like masculinity, like leadership. You don't actually have to be a leader to be good at being a man. Um, you know, most men are not good at being leaders. Uh, you know, maybe they have to lead their family or you know whatever, but that's about it. Uh, leadership is a different skill, and it's some, an add-on, but it, it's not fundamental to what masculinity actually is. And I would say faith is kind of the same way. Uh, obviously, it's part of being human. Our relationship with you know the divine or uh, you know mythology or whatever. I mean, that has to do with you know that's that's a bigger human thing. Um, so it's just not specific to masculinity. So when I was when I'm talking about masculinity, I'm talking about things that are specific to masculinity, rather than uh, like if you if you take this piece away, you're not talking about masculinity anymore. You know, whereas like uh, faith, you know, applies to a lot of things. 
So when somebody says to you, be a man, we actually now know what that means. Um, it, I would say that when someone says to you, be a man, they're almost always trying to manipulate you. They're actually saying, do what I say, like, or be like me, you know, uh, be a man is you know, like, we should know what masculinity is and understand it and be able to talk about it in a you know coherent way. But usually when someone says be a man, they are just telling you to be like me. All right. In front of you, there is a crystal ball. What do you see? Huh. A crystal ball into the future? That got really hard over the past few years. <laughs> uh, if you would have asked me 10 years ago, I'd be like, here's what's happening. And I think in many ways, the way of men was my crystal ball. Uh, there's a lot of things that have happened that I talked about in the way of men. Uh, in the future, uh, it is really hard to say. I think that everything is on the table. And uh, I would, I can tell you what I'd like to see. I can't tell you what's going to happen, <laughs> you know, because my crystal ball doesn't work. <laughs> so that, that's kind of what I would say. I would, I would, I would love to see uh, more men realize uh, that they are important in the world and it's important for them to be more masculine and get in touch with that side of themselves. And uh, it's important for them to be fulfilled as men. And, uh, and I would like to see a change in society where, you know, that isn't demonized in the way that it is now. Is that going to happen? My crystal ball is foggy on this, <laughs> you know, but uh, my job is to try, actually try, you know, and make that happen. So where can I find your work? Uh, well, my website is jack-donovan.com and uh, you can find my books and so forth on Amazon and Audible. There are audible book, audio books. And, uh, you know, I have a uh, Instagram is kind of my big platform that I use the most. And that is uh, at start the world. And my uh, Twitter that I barely use, but it is there is at PH2T3R. Say that again. <laughs> my Twitter, uh, PH2T3R. <laughs> so it's, uh, well, Jack Donovan was already taken because I only joined it like uh, when Elon Musk, Elon Musk said that he was going to buy it. Uh, so I was like, well, I'll try Twitter now. So my, my name was already taken. And uh, uh, I, that's kind of my weird spelling of uh, putter, which is the original uh, uh, Proto-Indo-European uh, word for father. Oh, so it, okay. It, so it's 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 Potter is what really how I would say it. But I just oh. I use the the numbers uh, to make it look all techno. You know? <laughs> okay, Jack Donovan, thank you for joining me in the trenches. All right, no problem. My name is Germ. Right. This is Germ Warfare: The Battle of Ideas. If you enjoyed this podcast, please visit supportgerm.com.